How do you like my voice? Right. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, not bad, not bad. <laughs> do, you, do you often whistle that when breaking out of prison? Um, yeah, yeah, no, nah, nah, not quite. I usually, uh, usually wish, whistle a bit of smoke on the water. Ah, because I was, I was, um, I was planning on holding a, a press conference about this episode. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just announcing that as effective today, I will eliminate all Morrissey. I think that's a brilliant idea, man, because, I mean, we're still a young planet. We can learn so much, but we can learn so much more effectively if the world is free of Morrissey. Well, I mean, really, like, that's just kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? It's like... It kind of is, isn't it? I think Morrissey actually makes you dumber. I think so. I mean, it's... Look, we don't have it on good authority, but we kind of do. It's scientifically proven that listening to Morrissey will diminish your ability to withstand the cold. Um, you yeah. will wake Experience. up with dead flowers up your own. Skull dysfunction. Yeah. Um, shitty fashion sense. Yeah. Shitty dance, dance moves. moves. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, the list goes on, dude. It really it's is. a bag. Of, it's a bag of no good, really. It really is a bag of shit, dude. It's just a, it's a dead end for for your life, man. So, you know, get with the program, man. Live in the yeah. now. Fucking say, say no to Mori. <laughs> say no to Mori. <laughs> that could be a really good new ad campaign. I think it's better than you know, say no to drugs. Like you know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like um our previous episode where we talked very briefly about Johnny Depp's scene in um. In new, uh, in Nightmare Six, you know when uh, he goes, "This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs." Yeah, it's except instead of like two runny eggs, it's just a, a steaming dog turd on the sidewalk. <laughs> this is your brain on Mori. <laughs> this is still your brain after Mori. <laughs> Gastro. Oh, dude, how the fuck are you, man? You good? Oh, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm 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 really good. The week is uh, as of time of recording. The week is over, and uh, all is wonderful in the world. All is great. I mean, all that can cap this off is a, a world free of Mori. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's winter. It's 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 um. Yeah, anything's possible, man. It's a natural Mori repellent. Tis the season um, to be jolly. <laughs> is the season without Mori. <laughs> without Mori. See, it rhymes, man. Um, yeah. But, um, oh, man, look, as always, it's it's a good time. It's rat o'clock. So we've, we've had a wonderful week so far at time of recording. We've, uh, you know, we're, we're beaming after our awesome Freaky Friday episode with Chad. The Chad that was a good one. That was a good one. It was good fun, wasn't it? It was just, it was. yeah. If you haven't listened to it yet, check it out. It's on the channel, so you can't miss it. It's right there, and um, it's well worth it. Episode fifty, and uh, I just put a link to the podcast on my Instagram as well. So, oh, mate. like, I, I, I was like, you know, checking out my Instagram. I was like, oh yeah, right. I can put because I was like, look, you know, looking at other people's Instagrams. It's like oh, everyone's got like links to shit and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh hey, wait, I can do that. And this to your life, I could, I can link a thing to my profile. Guys like yeah. me, I'm a guy like me. Yeah. 
it works, man. It works. But um, oh, dude, it, it's great. Like uh, you know, it was it was it was a good experiment having Chad on the show, and uh, hopefully that's um the beginning of more to come down the track. You know, it was it was, it was very good fun. It was very good fun. It's, yeah, uh, we should, and, uh, we should, and I'm proud. I'm proud of you as well. You're proud. Yeah. What the fuck did I do? Well, I mean, I let you off the leash, and you just didn't go too berserk. On poor little tra- Chad's ears, you, you, fa- you kept your fanboy in check pretty good, man. So good job. Oh, look, I, I try, I try not to act like a complete fuck knuckle when, um, <laughs> when, when talking to to people in the industry because it's like you know, it's funny, man. I was because I, I saw a thing on speaking of Instagram, I saw a thing on Instagram where like people are just harassing. Did you see the thing where Mark Hamill's just like getting fucking harassed in his car? No. Oh, dude, it sucks. Like, here's he's Paul Mark Hamill, who's like, you know, clearly one of the fucking nicest guys in the industry. Yeah. And his car's just surrounded by all these fucking jag-offs, just like shoving shit into the back window at him. Mark, Mark, sign this. Sign it to this person. Sign it. You give it back. And it's like someone fucking jams him in the head with like a fucking book or something like that. Wow. <laughs> Oh, dude, it's so douchey. It's, bit, it's, it's unnecessary, man. I, I saw a similar video like that with Gene Simmons and, and fans started giving him shit for being rude. And it's like, well, you're the one shoving fucking records in my face. And it's like, I know what my records look like. And, you know, just be a little patient and just be grateful that we're in the same space breathing the same air. Like, shouldn't that be sufficient? I just always think it's cool, like, if you get a chance to chat to people that have worked yeah. on, like, you know, stuff that you're a fan of, to, like, you know, just kind of pick their brain and, and not be yeah. fuckwit to them. Um, just be a good cunt. That's what we well, always say. Yeah, and, like, you know, that's the thing I've, like, I've always maintained. Like, you know, the, the people that, like, I would, like, absolutely love to meet and sit mm. down. So I have mm. a chat with, like, Clive Barker or Stephen King, you know, those sort of dudes. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, on one hand, like, you'd love to, like... Uh, that's why I, I never really go and meet people at conventions. Yeah. Because, like, I never want to, like, just be another sweaty, slavering dickhead lining yeah. up. Yeah. Be a douchebag to them or, like, you know, just be like, hey, you, in episode 51, <laughs> you know, that, that type yeah. of like. I, I would I, just rather meet people like just you know the way the way we did like you know last night like with the podcast that's like you know yeah. just meet, have a general chat like you know yeah, just go oh it. man it like how fucking cool was that that you like worked on that yeah. thing like that was rad yeah um, and they love that shit man or like you know just not not be a fuck with like you know uh, is, is 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 uh does Samuel Jackson say motherfucker a lot in real life like you know not, yeah. that would be one of those <laughs> fucking dickheads like or, or those uh, fucking or what about those preposterous dickheads again hey, I sent I sent you an email ages ago and you never replied <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like, th- thanks Stan. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, come on, man. I, I, I mean, I had that recently at uh, Supernova on the Gold Coast. I, I saw John Jarrett, Wolf Creek, um, at a, at a, you know, he had a booth for the first time. Uh, well, one of the sec, what another time, but um, he was free anyway. And I just thought I could go over and say hi to this guy, but why? Like, I've got nothing really to say to him, like, other than I love Wolf Creek. Um, which we probably appreciate that, but 
you know, I know who he is. It's all good. Mm. So I saw Tom Taylor instead and went. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I had a thing where like uh, Jim Butcher, who writes the Dresden Files that I absolutely love. I love that book series to death. Um, If you're a fan of like really fucking cool, like horror, fantasy, urban detective noir shit, fucking read it. It's awesome. Um, But he was at Supernova a couple of years back. And um, I had all these people just yelling at me like, oh, are you going to go to Supernova and get me two bullets? I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really not. Like, yeah, I would rather run into him in a bar and just go, dude, fuck, man, I love your work. Like, because yeah. I mean, look, I, honestly, I would love to like, I would seriously love sometimes to just like roll up to like a convention or something. And I would love to be one of those assholes, like take my entire 15 book collection in there under my arms, carry it around all day and go, Hey, can you sign like all of these? Yeah. Please? <laughs> Cause and like, I mean, and it, I mean, even with like Clive Barker or Stevie King, it's like, man, I love so much of their shit. Like what the fuck would you get signed? You know, like yeah. it would be cool to get something signed for sure. But I would much rather, you know, sit down and just have a conversation with these people. Conversely, I would be shit scared to sit down and have a conversation with these people because yeah. I'd probably come off sounding like a complete fuckwit and like a moron. And the last thing I want is like, it's like that great story. Have you, have, have you did you ever see that great story where Henry Rollins talks about meeting Iggy Pop for the first time? Uh, no, but do it, tell. It, it's fucking hilarious. It's story so, time with Henry, Jake. Yeah, it, it's, it's fucking hilarious. Uh, I'm sure it's on YouTube if you look it up. Um, Henry's talking about, cause he loves Iggy Pop. Who doesn't? Uh, and he's talking about the first time he met Iggy Pop and he was like at some fucking record fucking company party promo thing. And he's like standing there and Iggy Pop comes in and he's just like, Oh my God. And someone like, you know, his manager or something's like, come on, Henry, come over and meet Iggy. Come on, come on. And he like walks over to Iggy Pop and he's like so flabbergasted. And he, he's like, he's like, and you know what I said? He's like, have you ever toured Michigan? <laughs> and he's like, and that's what I said to Iggy Pop. And he's like, just, he's talking about it. He's like, I, he's like, I just made such a complete fuckwit of myself. He's like, do you remember when you wrote that song about a dog? <laughs> and he, he says like, basically by the end of it, like people are leading Iggy Pop away from him. Oh, leading Henry away from Iggy Pop. And he looks back mm. over his shoulder and Iggy's got this look on his face where he's going, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> fucking, it's funny as, but it's but, like, like I relate to that so much, man. Yeah, that like, like Clive Barker or like Stephen King or you know. Look, uh, I mean, I you know with Tom Tom Taylor, I was cool. Everything was great. I I fanboyed a little, but I didn't get out of control. I've met some of the biggest rock stars in the world, and I'm not boasting, but you know, every time I've met someone that I've had the privilege of being in the same space with. I just, I don't know, man. I just, I, they're, they're people too. Like mm. Axel Rose, I met him and I, I just thought there's a circus of people around him just giving him what he wants to feed his ego. And I just felt like saying, he turns to me and I just put my hand out, shook his hand. I just said, bro, I just want to say thanks. And I walked away. I left mm. it at that. Yeah. I just went, you know what? I'm just going to say thanks for the music, bro. Thanks for being you. Um, And I, I've, you know, I've done the same with, Heaps of guys, you know, like, well, and, it's, yeah. 
it, it always it always kind of it's always fascinating to me um when people get all like oh my god you met or you know so and so and yeah they just kind of like go and i get yeah. it i do get it well, it, it's always weird for me because it's like I, I have, um, and I mean, oh God, I hate having these conversations because you, you always end up sounding like such a name dropping asshole, mm. um, and I hate to be a name dropping asshole. So I'm not going to drop names, but I have a friend who uh, is a fairly famous um, adult film star, right? Um, in in Australia, like she's she's very very like you know people who are fans of that particular industry genre like people so she does know. she does grown-up films like yeah yeah um, yeah 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 gotcha gotcha you know you know r- yeah. merchant merchant ivory stuff you know yeah, yeah. You know, that sort of yeah. thing <laughs> so she's not on like she's not on only fans or something like that where they do really weird no no okay cool i yeah I, ever know anyone that does that <laughs> no no continue hey, well, i should start my own <laughs> but, like it, it's so weird because I, I often get um because we're we're like we're pretty good friends like you know we chat every now yeah, and then of course um, you know like she's a big ex-geek i'm a big ex-geek like that's what we talk about um and it, it never really sort of I, – I, I often forget that people know her for that. And, like, I'm mm. really good friends with her and her fiancé. Like, he's such a great dude. Like, you know, they've come to movie night and stuff like that. Um, and people get all, oh, my God, you know so-and-so. Like, what, what, what are they like? I'm just like, dude, that's just – like, it, it's so weird to me when people mm. – especially when you're, like, friends with, with uh, of people that are, are – sort of you know well known yeah um it's just so weird because you're just like it's just my friend man <laughs> like oh, we, we send each other x-men pictures on the internet and yeah. shit and bitch about the poly community and stuff like oh, that's man, just there you go like um, i mean that and that, that's the thing that's the that's the value and respect of good friendship and you can you can have a, a perfectly normal relationship with with people that have you know, I consider them normal people just with interesting careers. And fucking, yeah. I think that's the thing, man. Like, that's, I guess that's my point is that, like, you know, when, when you, when you meet these people, like, they've done these really cool, um, interesting things with, like, you know, amazing people that you like, holy fuck, like, wow. But I guess the thing is to always remember that, like, they're just, you know, they have friends, they have, you know, they probably have friends who just think their job's fucking boring. Like, you know. Well, just, the thing is, oh, hey, I, Steve, you're writing another book. Oh, my God. I like to. Have a movie out of one of your fucking yeah, dreams. I like to call it smoke and mirrors, right? Like, I mean, this is a thing. We we see what the what they want us to see, right? But when you, when you look behind the curtain, it's really not the glitz and glamour that you think it is it's a pretty boring life but it's exciting no. for about 45 minutes to two hours or whatever it is that, that they do mm. and well, but the like rest what, of it they're just perfectly normal yeah dude that's like what we were talking about a couple of weeks back mm. with people thinking that um because you and i've experienced it on yeah, of like, course. probably a smaller level with people thinking like, oh my God, you've got a, a movie out or you've mm. got a comic out or mm. a 
CD or you've written on, you're writing on a TV series or something like that. And people think like, oh my God, you must be like super famous and loaded and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's just sort of like, no, not really. (laughs) Dude, I've been there, done that. I've had, man, I've had years where people just, they just, you see it. Like you, you, you turn up to a gig and you see the people just glowing Mm. just going oh my god oh my god it's you oh my god and it's like well i've just spent fucking eight eight hours whatever in a in a in a van fucking crammed with a bunch of dudes fucking smelling each other's farts and fucking probably haven't showered for two days but um yeah fucking yeah life's fucking kicking ass man (laughs) exactly like and and we haven't eaten proper food for for twenty four hours, so uh, yeah, fucking we're living this dream, dude. That's exactly it, man. And it's like you know, um, it's also one of those things where it's like everyone's got someone they fanboy out over. Yeah, like, of course. I guarantee you, like perfectly Stephen, normal. Stephen King probably has people he fanboys out over. Yeah. Um, like you know, even people like. <clears throat> You know, I, be, I bet you the first time Todd McFarlane met Stan Lee, he probably shit his pants. Like, Dude, you know. I've probably brought up once before, but I remember that. I had that chance to meet Todd McFarlane at Supernova when he came out. And, you know, I walked past him and I just went, hey, Todd, you still got that Mark McGuire baseball? And he's like, yeah, I do. You want to buy it? And I'm like, not the three million bucks, mate. You keep it. <laughs> Like, and we had a good laugh about it. It's like, yes, just comical moments. Like, I'm not gonna go, oh my god, you're Todd McFarlane. It's like, people react in different ways. I think for me, it's one of those things where I, I like, I just, I always want to kind of mention to people, like, um, if, if they're. Like, if I've enjoyed their work, like, I was yeah. like, oh, man, yeah, that would fucking kick ass. Like, dude, just fucking, you killed it. You fucking killed it. That was so fun. Or if their work's meant a lot to me, like, you know, say, like, meeting, you know, Clive Barker or someone like that, it'd just be like, dude, like, just fucking thank you, man. Like, Absolutely. You know? and, and, that's, and that's it. That's all you want to do is, like, thank you and fuck, can I give you a hug? Like, yeah. um, you and, know. And uh, that's the thing. Like, I mean, guys like Todd, uh, sorry, Tom, uh, Tom Taylor when when I got to meet him and and say how you know I, I got a chance to say how much you and me appreciate his work and and what it's meant to us and as writers and as fans and and said um, we give you a weekly dose of love on our podcast and he was so he he just laughed and he was so happy to hear that it was like oh mm. so kind of you man and you know and sometimes they need that bit of encouragement themselves even at the top level. You know, I love that bit of it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, you know, you got to think it's like, you know, to to be working on, you know, some of these things like Mm. movies or fucking whatever. I mean, Mm. you know, that's, that's why I always try not to be like, unless I really hate something and I'm really like just, oh, my fucking God. Like, and you can see you know, every spot where it's gone wrong and that, you know, people didn't give a shit or whatever. I don't like to bag stuff out because no, it's not, there's no need for it. 
you know, the, 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 there are people that work on this and, and, you know, maybe it doesn't, maybe for, for a million reasons, like Nightmare 6, it's like, okay, look, it's not my favourite movie. There's there's big faults in there, but I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, my God, the director sucks. Um, you well, know, we didn't say that. Exactly. We, we actually exactly. said nice things about Nightmare 6, but you exactly. know, we, were, we were pretty fair in our critique as well. So Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, you get a lot of people online and, oh, this sucks and that sucks. Oh, he's ruining yeah. this. And it's just like, oh, man, like, come on. Like, it would be tough to, you know, be out there doing your thing and have to try and block and ignore all that sort of shit because I don't care who you are. I think that stuff would get to anyone. Like, Absolutely. To, to see just, you know, all these Absolutely. grumpy assholes bitching on the internet all day. Um, unless we're talking about the current run of Spider-Man. Oh, my God. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> look, I mean, there's certain exceptions. And, and the thing is, like, everyone's an armchair quarterback, as, as I've famously heard. And, and I love that that um, description. But, man, yeah, there are certain things. Like, I mean... You know, we, you know, we're passionate comic book fans. If you haven't worked that out by now, um, you clearly haven't been listening to the show proper. But, oh, but I mean, you dude, know. like you, you, man, you, you would have even, even at our level, even at yeah. the pissy fucking, you know, um, you know, mid sort of level of the entertainment industry that you and I have, you know, worked our way up to, like. Hmm. Dude, you would have gotten it with with Dark Cell. So I got it with my first film. Like, yeah, of course. Fuck, you should read some of the reviews on IMDb. Oh. They are brutal and hilarious. Yeah. Like, someone told me I should be killed because the movie was that bad. Yeah, look, it's gonna happen, dude. But at the end it's of the day, funny. It's just like, really, you oh, you, look. you want me to die because you didn't like an independent fucking movie I made for like 20 grand okay it seems a little harsh but yeah look I mean yeah look you're entitled to your opinion as extreme as it I think there's better things to kill people for Uh, bad movies are not one of them (laughs) certain criticisms are, are warranted if it's for the benefit of helping said person or, or, you know, you don't need to berate a person. I mean, look, we live in an age where it's just commonplace for people to go, yeah, I didn't like it. It was shit. It's like, well, a lot, you know, if you think that uh, Rob Zombie is going to spend time online reading comments, Luke, yeah, it's like, um, no, they're not. They're not going to read those comments. Well, I just, I never, ever, I, I can't, I can't. I just fucking can't, man. I cannot engage with people whose only critique of something is, oh, God, it was shit. I fucking hated it. It's like, okay, Mm. why? Like, seriously, why? Like, you give me Mm. a valid reason why. Like, tell me why you hated it. And Mm. then we can talk. Oh, no, it was just shit. It's like, well, that's not a fucking criticism. That's your opinion. And maybe it's your opinion because you're a fucking tasteless moron or you didn't understand exactly what the movie or the comic or the album was trying to do. It's like, it's like those people. I mean, it was, a, it was a prime example of, um, fuck man. Like when Manson brought out mechanical animals, um, yeah. you know, it, it's, oh, it's fucking disco records. It's a fucking David Bowie. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what he was trying well, to do. You idiot. 
like, at the time, people were hoping for Antichrist Superstar Part 2, and it's like, uh, dude, you're not going to get that. It's the same with Metallica fans that are just clinging and waiting for Master of Puppets Part 2. Get hmm. over it. It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, fuck, <laughs> dude. Like, bands, <laughs> you know, you should be grateful that bands fucking create the moment in time they create, you know? Like, I'm, I'm forever grateful for... Um, some of the albums that have been put out and I never expect bands to repeat that formula because as a creative artist, I, I would hate to repeat myself. Oh, so, dude. Yeah. I, I fully have just gotten to the point in my life. Like, and I think, I think, look, when you're young, it's natural to just be like, Oh my God, this is shit. Like, cause of course. You know, you're, you're 18 years old. You don't know fucking shit about shit and you should just shut the fuck up. Mm. Um, but like, I mean, I think when you get older, you just get to the point of like, look, you know what? They tried something different. It wasn't really for me, but I appreciate that they didn't just repeat the same thing. Like, exactly. for instance, look, man, I fucking adore Nine Inch Nails. Like Trent Reznor is on my list of people I never, ever want to meet because I would embarrass myself. <laughs> I would walk up and just be like, hey, Karen. Uh, well, Jake, Jake, hold Jake, the line because Jake. joining us right now is not Trent Reznor. And I'm off. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like Hesitation Marks was not yeah. an album I was I could really get into. It was like there there was a couple of bright spots on there that I really enjoyed. The rest of it wasn't really my jam. Um, doesn't mean I'm just going to say, oh, that's it. I give up on Nine Inch Nails. Looks like, oh. Dude, it's like food, man. Come on. It's like, you know, when you're a kid and you try Brussels sprouts, of course you're going to fucking hate it. And but when you're an adult them. and you try Brussels sprouts, you hate them. So. Exactly. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. the, y- your taste change over time. Hmm. Your musical taste, your fashion tastes. Um, unless you're Morrissey, you've got no hope. You know, it's just... <laughs> But over time, you learn to have a bit more of a broader palette about things. And if you don't, fuck, I don't want to say I feel sorry for you, but eh, maybe you just need to take a look in the mirror and think think about your life choices a bit more. Yeah, dude, exactly. It's just one of those things where Murray, it's like, we're talking to you, mate. Ah, oh, Morrissey doesn't need to think about his life choices. He just needs to stop living. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking of the scene from Hostel as we say that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, hey, tell you on a completely different note, tell you what, I, I just finished reading. What'd you read? I finished reading uh, Mark Silvestri's Batman and the Joker Deadly Duo. I have a copy of that. I have yet to read it. Is it as good as it looks? Dude, that whole series is fucking great. Like, it's excellent. It's, it, it is just like, it reminds me very much of Hush. Okay, cool. Um, it's not like, you don't read it like, you know, The Dark Knight Returns or something like that and just go, oh my God, this is revolutionary. What an mm. amazing take mm. on the character. Mm. It's just, it's a good, fun, solid, uh, like, vintage kind of classic Batman story uh, fucking Mark Silvestri drawing it which yeah. is just amazeballs like I mean I've been a fan of that dude since the fucking 80s since he was drawing the X-Men um, yeah. he just rocks cool. um, 
and it's just it's a good solid what what was really cool about it that i didn't expect is it's really uh quite dark in terms of like it's very much got some very big horror themes through it um and introduces a really cool new uh without spoiling anything villain slash anti-hero character yeah, um, very cool and great art all around um you know great batman story great joker mm-hmm. story um yeah fucking just great seven issues nice. like uh when it comes out in trade or hardcover or whatever i encourage anyone to check it out who's and the great thing is you don't have to have like kept up on batman throughout the years to to enjoy it like you know you know the basics nightwings in there batgirls in there you know, Batman's there, Joker, so, Harley. Yeah, yeah, cool, it's, good it's to go. Good to go. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, I, I'm really, I'm just going to just glow about um, Mark Miller's The Ambassadors. Um, I haven't got that yet. I'm three, three issues in, and I am loving this story. I didn't think there could be a new original superhero story. But lo and behold, Mark Miller delivers the goods. And it's a fucking great read. It's basically, uh, you know, without giving too much away, um, there, there, is a, there is a being in Korea that has uh, just worked out the superhero equation and is basically running a lottery where 12 people around the world are going to be selected to be ambassadors for the human race to, to protect the earth. And it's, um, it's amazing reading about these different people from different backgrounds and how they react to becoming superpowered. It's, yeah, right. um, I, I think it's a, it's a touch of brilliance from Mark Miller. I'm um, enjoying it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Cause um, yeah, I mean, look, Mark Miller really doesn't do a lot wrong, does he? <laughs> no, I mean, if you want something extreme, read his other story, Nemesis Reloaded. Oh, my <laughs> God, dude. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, it's one of them comics where I just, if I could just get out of my chair casually and just walk out on the balcony and start clapping, that's, <laughs> that's me. I'm just like, fucking bravo, bravo. But uh, uh, what else? What else is clocking on? Um, Radiant Black's still fucking great. Uh, yeah, Rogue nice. Sun is so so good. Vanish is just oh, rock. Such uh, a good good read, man. I good did start reading uh, No One, which is the latest entry in the Radiant Black Rogue Sun kind of universe, and it's really interesting. Nice, uh, nice. It's it's sort of a very. Uh, it's a bit of a murder mystery, uh, which is cool. That's um, always fun. Kind of not sure where it's headed yet, but I'm very, very intrigued. Uh, nice. Yeah, a lot, a lot of sort of timely themes about, like, you know, uh, outing people on the internet about shit and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the whole... Well, it sort of takes kind of, like, cancelling people to the extreme. Oh, yeah. Murdering that them. Shit, that shit's all the rage. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, no, it was um, it was really really cool. Um, nice. I'm keen to see where it goes. Very cool. Um, in video game related news, yeah, I, I occasionally play a video game or two. I am enjoying 
one of the new video games that's out there that people are bagging on, and I'm loving it. It's Gotham Knights on the PS5. Oh, yeah. It's a fucking ball of fun, dude. Yeah? Dude, how bad is it? Like, maybe these people are complaining because Batman's not in it. But, dude, Batman's been murdered in this book, in this game, and you get to be, you get to choose throughout the game whether you want to be Red Hood, Jason Todd, Nightwing, Batgirl, or Tim Drake Robin. Um, yeah, see, with, with those choices, like, fuck. I don't really need to play as Batman. It's like, uh, yeah. hang on, so I can be Tim, yeah. Jason, or Dick. Uh, where's the issue? <laughs> like, exactly right. Like, like, I just don't get it. And... It's like, so you've got the three best Robins and Batgirl and no Damien. Uh, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, and, and you get to you get to freely roam around Gotham City at your own pace, you don't have to stick to the storyline. You can just go do side missions, beat up bad guys, and fucking save the day. Uh, cool. That's and you can, cool. Yeah, and you can change your costumes, and I don't know. You just do all the fun stuff, and it's it's just good fun, man. So yeah, that's um, I, I give Gotham Knights the double thumbs up. Oh yeah, I I am so getting myself a PlayStation Five this do year. It. Like, do cause... it. Well, man, see, there's so much, like, I always sort of, um, I have kind of like a rule of threes or fours where it's like, if there's three or four of something that I want, then I will get it or start mm, collecting mm. it or something like that. And I'm like, well, like, you know, I really want to play Dead by Daylight. Um, I really want to play Werewolf the Apocalypse, which looks amazeballs. Mm-hmm. Um... I kind of really want to get into Stray. The new Alien game that's coming up looks great. Um, yeah. That Wolverine game that's coming up looks amazing. So I'm just like, yeah, I should really just bite the bullet here and dive in. Because yeah. I've had a gaming system since PlayStation 2. Um, and let's just take a moment and remember the days of PlayStation 2 and the Punisher PS2 game. Because that uh, thing I still was... Have it. It was fucking glorious, wasn't it? I I still value that. There are two games on the PS2 that I value deeply with a profound, deep love. While, whilst the Bee Gees, just imagine the Bee Gees singing in the background as I say this. <laughs> the Punisher and Scarface. Oh, God, Scarface was great, man. How fucking great was Scarface? If those two were the only games in existence... I'm happy. I'm I'm just completely happy. Man, that Punisher game, like oh. there was nothing better than coming home after yep. work. Yep. Flicking that on and just like just gratuitous violence. Just carnaging the fuck out of stuff. It was yep. such a great de stressor. Like it was a game for the fans of the Punisher. It was pure brilliance. It was just, it was such a great stress-releasing game. It was was, like, because you could just cruise through, fucking massacre the shit out of well-deserving bad guys in incredibly creative ways. Yeah. And just have a blast. And like, I mean, some of the the fucking one-liners that they had Tom Jane record for that game were just great. Like... I mean yeah. that's that's the thing. I, that, that's the other thing I love about the game is the fact that Thomas Jane is voicing the Punisher. It's like, yeah, dude, oh, so good. come on, so good. 
Uh, yeah, can't wait to do a rad episode about fucking the Punisher man. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really wish they would re-release that game because it is something that I would absolutely love to be able to play. It would be re- great to see a remastered if that's a thing. Like, it just just do a two point version with you know upgraded graphics or add some additional boss levels and just yeah. I don't know uniforms or some shit like that. Yeah, I don't know. Dude. Like just. I just think like that and Scarface, man, like Yeah, right. Just re-release both of those. Yeah. Or give us a gaming system that's backwards compatible. Well that's yeah. the thing, man. That at that time period, there were games like those and there are many more like that. I mean, mm. fuck Manhunt. That yeah. that the games like that, they're the kind of games that are just cult legendary. Mm. You know, and I'm sure there's heaps and heaps more, and there are. But dude, like, man, th- that that shit just holds holds more relevant today than a lot of the fucking over the top fucking graphic games of the PS5 universe, man. They're just fucking. Oh brilliant. man, I mean, I I remember like even having uh, the Alien trilogy game on mm. PlayStation One that was like. You know, it was just, it was essentially fucking Doom with aliens. Like, yeah, dude. Like, it, it was loads of fun, man. Like, that's it. That, I, mean, I, still, that... I still remember the fucking cheat code for that. <laughs> <laughs> Pink ass boots. <laughs> unlimited ammo. Invulnerability. Just, oh, that, and that was fun too, man. Like, I used to get home from like fucking, um, like, you know, art class and shit like that. And I'd just fucking just sit down and just massacre a few xenomorphs for an hour or so just to, like, de-stress from the day. So it's like, ah, yep. I did the same with a Spider-Man game on the PC, dude, which I still have. And I used all the cheat codes just so that I could do free roam and, and pick up all the um, all the, the bonus costume features. Yeah. So yeah. I could swap into, you know, Spidey's Fantastic Four paper bag head costume. That was, or... man, that was another great game on the PlayStation 1, that, that Activision Spider-Man game. It was awesome. That was so great. I used yeah. to fucking love that game. Yeah, man. Like, I don't know, like simplistic gameplay, fun, cool cinematic scenes that were just not 15, 20 minutes long, just real mm. nice, simple shit that just, I don't know, as a fan, you, just, you love it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, what a time to be alive. Hey, let's go back to 1987. Oh. Great year. <laughs> You've been dreading this moment, haven't you? No, actually, I haven't because I actually don't. Are you sure? I like this movie. <laughs> same, same, same. But it's just, it's just ironic that, like, 87, man. Like, it was what such a year. A, like, seriously, it is just like. I feel like it's some sort of like nexus point in time or something like that. Like it is, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's, it's like if Dr. Who was going back to 1987 and just be like, okay, look, don't fuck with anything. Nothing yeah. here can be changed. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> because um, it just, I feel like 87 is like a bit of a perfect year, especially like movies, music, comics. Like, I don't know, man. Like it's, uh, you know, Lost Boys, fucking all the other stuff we've talked about from 87. Yeah. Inferno uh, fucking, is going on in the X-Men. Yeah. Uh, Lethal Weapon. Fucking. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, uh, I want to say. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, like, dude, there was, yeah, there was, um, there was quite a fair bit, and uh, yeah, uh, Bon Jovi, <laughs> Bon Jovi was a thing. Uh, bon Jovi was still riding high. I think they were still touring at that point. They were, they were riding pretty on the uh, on the Slippery When Wet album. I believe so. And probably just starting to write New Jersey at the time too. So, yeah. But dude, I it was it was a fucking magic time, dude. Like all the bands were enjoying fucking success. Hollywood was fucking booming. Cocaine was just fucking. It it wasn't Christmas. It was just cocaine, just fucking in the streets, man. <laughs> you know, like life was good, man. And um, of course, if you've been following the Rad podcast the last three weeks, you know we've been talking about. Superman, the the Christopher Reeve series, and we have reached the sad end of this great series, and we are talking about today Superman for the quest for peace. Ah, uh, which uh, um, interesting movie this one because it is, you know, it the um. You know, uh, Warner Brothers weren't really behind this one. I believe this was where Canon Films took over. There is, there is a sad story behind this movie, and like we don't have to go into graphic money, but basically, yeah, there was the the franchise were, was up for grabs. Canon Hill saw dollar signs and saw an opportunity to get out of making shitty B-grade films and, you know, dip their hand in the fucking money pot and start making bank with high-quality franchises like Well, Superman. that's the thing. Canon, Canon wanted to get out of making B-grade films, but... They did. Canon films, uh, there is a great... For anyone that's curious about it, Canon films were, uh, they were basically responsible for Chuck Norris becoming Chuck Norris, uh, the megastar that he is. Like, Canon did a lot of very low budget, but decent direct-to-video action movies and sci-fi stuff. Like, you know, they were responsible for, like, you know, your your Chuck Norris, like, you're missing in actions, your, uh, you know, your... um, cyborg with van damme that that sort of stuff um and they were pretty uh they were fucking cowboys uh they they you know they spent you know they spent up doing a lot of stuff um got very very big you know kind of made their niche and um you know wanted to branch out you know they they wanted to get the rights to superman they actually uh you know they did masters of the universe as well Um, they did they uh, they they had they had Masters of the Universe. They thought because at the time, sorry to interrupt there, but Masters of the Universe was was a huge yeah. huge toy success with Mattel, and uh, they thought, hey, we can make movies out of this and make even more success. So, yeah, I uh, mean, and, and there there were some gems in there. There were like you know, it's it's sort Cobra. Of, it's dismissive to say that Canon sucked because they didn't. They were fucking great, especially in the eighties. Yeah. Um, but they did get a bit their reach overextended their grasp, shall we say. Uh, you know, they wanted to do Spider-Man as well. They were going to do Spider-Man, but, yeah. you know, um, lost the rights. Like, it was a big mess. They started going bankrupt. 
Um, well, I mean, they, they, they took a gamble spending a lot of money on Sylvester Stallone with um, Cobra and Over the Top, back-to-back, mm. back, 86 and 87. And, and uh, you know, the, 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 they, they really put a gamble on those movies to make them bank so that they could bankroll these other films. Well, even Masters of the Universe, like they were banking on Masters of the Universe yeah, being yeah. huge. Um, yeah. And it kind of wasn't. Uh, but there, if, if anyone's curious, there is a great doco called Electric Boogaloo, The Wild History of Canon Films. Fucking A, man. I highly recommend watching it. It is uh, amazing. Um, and you just sort of go on like, holy fuck. I mean, you know, these guys were responsible for stuff like American Ninja, like, you know, like any sort of B-grade action franchise you can remember. Um, Canon Films probably had a finger in at least two they or three. They did. Um, so, yeah, they got the rights to Superman. And unfortunately, the guys at Canon weren't really... Uh, up to bringing the quality of production values and stuff that Superman, the Superman series of Christopher Reeve was used to. I mean, even, you know, say what you will about number three, it still maintained a certain level of, you know, high quality effects and production values. Um, you know, then we got to Superman 4. And I, th- the sad thing about this movie is that it's not terrible, but it is widely kind of disregarded. And it is a movie that meant a lot to Christopher Reeve. Like, he was very passionate about well, nuclear disarmament. And at this point, Christopher Reeve got to, you know, he got to uh, basically have a bit more of a say in the production of the film. He had a bit more of a say in in the influence of his character in the film and just the tempo of the story. So yeah, I mean, this was this was as you say near and dear to his heart. Yeah, mm. and it's an interesting film because um, it goes down some very interesting paths, as we'll be discussing very very shortly. Well, it's it's a really um, it's a very uh, it's good. I mean, look, it kicks off good. It kicks off with, you know, the the. I'm trying to remember the the start because um, isn't that where I, the kid the kid is is at the school? Yeah, 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 yeah. I um, I what I what's the fuck, man? What is it? What am well, I trying to say here? I'll, I'll give you, it's I'll a give you very. A I'll give you a quick synopsis. Sorry. Yeah, give sorry, give a synopsis while I try and pick my brain. Yeah, together. yeah. Get your brain together. So. Superman four. Yeah. Superman 4, the quest repeats with the world on the brink of a nuclear war. Superman takes it upon himself to destroy all nuclear weapons. Lex Luthor, however, creates nuclear a force strong enough to take down Superman. Pretty good yeah. plot. So... I, what I was trying to say before, and I think the point I was trying to make, is that yeah. what is incredibly interesting about this movie is that it is probably one of the first times we ever saw a comic book movie really deal with some real-world issues. Because, I mean, what people 
sort of, um, you know, the, I feel people that bag this don't, you know, like modern sort of audiences. Well, they're not remembering that back in the 80s, the Cold War was very much a, you know, imminent threat. Like, you know, we were wandering well, yeah. around in the 80s and the media were kind of like fear-mongering. It's just like, oh, fucking Russia and America are going to start throwing bombs at each other any day now. The entire Terminator franchise is built on that fucking premise of like, you know, nuclear weapons going off and shit like that. Yeah. So it was very much a there thing in the 80s. Plenty of movies, plenty of movies mm. that centered around nuclear war. Plenty. Mm. You look at you look at a track listing of any fucking of of movies of the 80s. I mean, fuck, I can give you a short list right now. There was The Day After, War mm. Games, um, Bon Jovi slipped away and went. <laughs> Superman four. <laughs> Superman four. Um, yeah, but I mean, there was heaps like um, fucking well, Chain Reaction. Yeah, fucking Silkwood. I mean, the, the list that's goes the on. thing there. Like nu- nuclear weapons and nuclear war. Like pretty much every dystopian sci-fi movie in the eighties was based on like, oh, it's after a nuclear war. Yeah, like, dude. and stuff like that. You know, even trauma like, films did uh, uh, classic yeah, class nuclear war. Yep. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, totally it was, missed. it was in horror, it was in drama, it was in, it touched all the all the it genres. Was, in dude, it was a very hot button topic. It um, was, and I think it was really ballsy to. I mean, this is the movie like we've talked about before in our in you know talking about the Superman movies where mm. it's like you know they leave you with that sense of like you know oh man Superman's a friend he's here to look after yeah. us you know. Yeah don't you turn on the news and just wish fucking Superman could fly in and sort all the shit out. Well, this is a movie based on that premise of Superman flying in and sorting the shit out. It's like, yes, everyone's worried about nuclear bombs and nuclear war. Well, guess what? Superman's going to fucking take care of it. And I think that's really fucking ballsy for a mainstream at, you know, at the time, it's like, this is the big mainstream superhero franchise. Batman hasn't come out yet. Um, Ninja Turtles hasn't come out yet. Like Superman was like, you know, you pretty much had Superman, you had Wonder Woman and Batman on the TV and reruns, you know, um, you had some fairly terrible Marvel movies being made. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's like Superman was pretty much the box office superhero. Like that was it. Um, <laughs> and to have that superhero, take on a very controversial, like everyone's got an opinion on it, uh, you know, real world topic. Yeah. It's pretty fucking ballsy, man. Like, especially to take a stance on it where it's like Superman comes in and goes, no, nuclear weapons are bad and I'm getting rid of them. The end. That's it. And it's a great inspirational movie where in that sense, where, you know, it does give you that ideology. Like, even though, yeah, it is fictional, but you can watch it and it can inspire change within us all. We mm. think to, we're, and, of course, we can't go out and fucking disarm the planet of nuclear weapons, but we can do little things to make changes in our, in our world if we want. And that's not yeah. being or hippie. It's just, I think that's what Christopher Reeve was trying to achieve with the message of that film. It wasn't mm. about... He was just using Superman and disarming the planet of nuclear weapons as a metaphor of sorts to say, yeah. "Hey, it, it, um, I can just I can press the trigger 
to inspire change within us all. Mm. It's up to us as a, as a young planet to embrace that change and make a difference in our own special way. Well, I mean, and that's the cool thing is that it's like, I mean, this, this movie in a way is every, I mean, it's every kid's fantasy because it's it like this kid, like the whole crux of what sort of spurs Superman onto action is this little kid writes him a letter yep. and basically says like, hey, I'm really scared that, you know, the world's going to fucking blow itself up. And yeah. You know, I wish you would do something about it. And it's like Superman answers that letter. And it's just like, oh, my God. Like, fuck. Like, if you're not I mean, grinning at that moment where yeah. Superman walks into the UN with his hand on that kid's shoulder, it's like, oh, my fucking God. You're, well, you're before, fucking <laughs> before we get to that bit, let's talk about the bit after that scene where Superman goes to visit oh, – well, Clark Kent, sorry – goes to visit Lois Lane. And we get – we get a beautiful, I consider one of the the most heartfelt moments in the film amongst the few. And I love this scene because you get to see that beautiful romance once again, that on-screen, on-screen chemistry between Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve. It's oh, man, yeah. such a beautiful scene. Like, he just comes to her, He sorry, he just looks stressed. He looks like he's got carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. And Lois says it to him and he goes, I just need some air. And she goes, okay, let's go outside and get some air. And then, yeah, off he jumps off the building with her in hand and reveals his Superman to her. And they just go for a fly and it's beautiful. (laughs) It's not the third time in this. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, but I mean, it's a fucking, like, it's just one minute. He's just like, fuck, I just, I, I have this incredible dilemma. I am carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. I have the power to make change, but I don't want to enforce change. Mm. And I just need, right now, I just need a friend. Yeah. You know? Well, like it's, it's a great scene that just shows, like, the mm. importance of Lois in mm. Superman's life. Like, mm. she is the confidant he needs. Um, and I think that's one of the great things, like, you know, people can shit on this movie as much as they want, but what this movie does that is great is that it not only like, you know, it's not, it's aside from like the themes it tackles and stuff like that. It also brings back Margot Kidder as Lois, Gene Hackman as Lex, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Perry, Jimmy, everyone's sort of back for this one where, you know, I felt like number three was really missing them. It was um, disconnected, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great thing. What's an interesting side note uh, before we get back into the yeah, movie yeah. is that I always found this really, really interesting as a kid because, um, and, you know, nuclear man, I always kind of wished Firestorm was in this movie. <laughs> Ironically, as a kid, I was reading Firestorm because I was – huge Firestorm fan as anyone that, you know, anyone that listens to this show probably knows. Um, And what was really interesting uh, seeing this movie come out when I was a kid in the eighties is that at the same time that this movie came out, the Firestorm comic series was dealing with Firestorm disarming the world of nuclear weapons. Wow. Uh, Because so like basically in Firestorm, um, you know, for those who don't know, Firestorm is comprised of two people. 
Ronnie Raymond, who's like a young high school kid, and Martin Stein, who is an older college professor. Uh, they get caught in a nuclear explosion, form this one being that has all these amazingly cool powers and the most fucking rad costume ever. Um, so basically in the comics, what happens is Professor Stein finds out that he is dying of a brain tumor. Um, and his final wish is that they use their powers as firestorm to make the world a better place and rid the world of nuclear weapons. So I thought it was really kind of interesting uh, when this movie came out that like it was basically Superman doing that plot. I mean, of course, in the comics, everyone's like, hey, Firestorm, you can't do that. We're going to fucking mm. send the Justice League and the Suicide Squad after you and then take you out of the Nevada desert and fucking blow you up with a nuclear bomb and, you know, kind of fuck you up after that, mm. which no, no one did to Superman because, you know, did Superman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you probably couldn't get the Justice League and the Suicide Squad into the quest for peace. So, you know kind of would have been cool if they did uh but yeah i thought that was a really interesting sort of parallel and i've often wondered if you know when they were writing the script for this you know they were sort of looking at what was going on in dc comics and kind of going like oh hey that could be something i mean obviously christopher reeve was very passionate about nuclear disarmament but it's just a very interesting uh an interesting coincidence dink. a coinky dink i like that did was was there some research going on yeah, there? Yeah, it's a very nice. it's a very interesting parallel. I felt it's a it's a nice thought to think anyway. But um, yeah, look, I mean that's the thing, man. People bag on this movie for various reasons, and look, righteously so for for r- r- various reasons also. But the fact that we get another beautiful tender moment bef- between Lois and Clark Superman that takes us back to the magic of Superman one and two that made those films so beautiful and and powerful. Mm. Um, but then the, you know, by the end of that scene, um, Superman, he, he, he feels a lot better about things. Um, you know, because Lois just says those amazing, uh, I can't remember her speech word for word, but she just says, words as a friend that just makes sense and superman's just like that's all i needed to hear thank you yeah and ends it with the magic kiss yeah okay look we we can't your favorite superpower jake we can't there's there's two this is this is this is something that's like there there are two terrible things that always happen in christopher reeve superman movies and the uh 1989 to you know 96 97 batman films number one superman revealing his identity to lois and then brainwiping her like with a magic kiss like dude you are like the the lip lock version of professor x with the mind wiping here right (laughs) and then it's like alfred fucking letting people into the bat cave (laughs) yeah it's like jesus guys (laughs) like One job, one job. Like, like yeah. fucking stop revealing your secret identity to people and then wiping their brains or letting them into the back cave. And, yeah. I mean, you notice every chick that was ever let into the back cave in those movies was never seen again. Right. So Just I, saying. I, 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 <laughs> Alfred knows where the bodies are buried. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a little like, oh no, baby, just closer to the edge there. 
<laughs> in you go. Move after Bruce, another one down in the bottom of the pit. I see. Maybe after it, maybe after it's secretly a serial killer. <laughs> Could be. Just like... saying, man. He's, <laughs> he's just too. Nice. Alfred, where did Vicky Vale go? I don't know, Master Bruce. She was looking at the Batmobile and then suddenly she was gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very strange. But um, yeah, look, I mean, by this point in the movie, Superman has made his decision. He's going to grant this kid the wish and rid the world of nuclear weapons. In the meantime, we see the wonderful return of Gene Hackman has Lex Luthor. Sadly, minus Otis. Yeah, Otis has been replaced by uh, John, John Cryer. <laughs> who, who, funnily enough, later on in life plays Lex Luthor. Uh, Indeed and, he does. Yeah, and not a bad version. I have not seen it because he's, he's Lex. Oh, no, I did. Sorry. I did see his Lex in uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where I've seen him. And, yeah. Uh, because I haven't watched Supergirl much, so yeah, I, don't, yeah. I can't really comment on. I'm how the same. I'm the same. Yeah, I thought he acquitted himself pretty well in Crisis. I think so. I think so too. I like. I love. There's a great. There's a great scene on YouTube where he comes face to face with um, Smallville Superman in the uh, yeah yeah Tom Welling yeah yeah which is great. I fucking love that scene. It's just great, and it, it's kind of just that great good versus evil moment. It's it's good, but anyway. In the in this film, he plays Lenny Luthor, um, Lex's nephew, and uh, and he's Lenny, so so fucking eighties. Like, he is the epitome of eighties dude, right? Like yeah. you know, I um, mean, I don't I don't want to give him shit because I enjoy him in this movie, yeah, but I like him. His character and the casting of him just really felt. Like the producers at Canon going, no, we, we need to make Superman cool. Let's give Lex Luthor a cool 80s sidekick that's because like that, that'll make us relatable to, to yeah. the kids in the 80s. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, you know, he rocks up and he's like the hair's like on point and that jacket. And I'm like, you just kind of look at it and going, John, did you just like bring over your entire wardrobe from hiding out? Yeah, and he's got the he- he's got the Walkman and the headphones around his neck, and you know, oh yeah, and, he's, he's... And, and like he talks like this, you know, oh dude, right, yeah, yeah you know, um, he's, he's he basically sounds like Michelangelo from the Fred Wolf cartoon, pretty much. Like if Michelangelo from the Fred Wolf cartoon smoked a fuck ton of weed, right. Uh, and had a yeah. lobotomy. He's like, yeah, oh, dude, like, whoa. Like, like, I think Fred Wolf saw that and went, yeah, I, I can do better than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I can see what you're trying to do, but let me just perfect that for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, Lenny's great, and he... He's loads of fun. Yeah, and he, you know, in, in true comedy fashion, we see Lex bust out of jail, um, and it, it's a great little, it's a great little scene. And of course, you know Lex has a plan to kill Superman, um, and yeah, it's it's kind of fun, right? Like, yeah, well, it's it's it is, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, I remember like seeing this as a kid and mm. knowing like that the whole nuclear man thing was in there, and you know, after I stopped kind of being upset and hoping it would secretly be Firestorm. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's like, 
but Firestorm's the nuclear man, right? Mm, um, mm. You know, watching this as a kid and seeing, like, you know, Lex stealing the hair and all that sort of stuff, I'm like, yeah. oh, this it's going to be Brainiac. It's totally going to be Brainiac, right? Yeah. Like, it's got to be Brainiac. This is Brainiac's, like, origin. Uh, not Brainiac, fucking Bizarro. Bizarro, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just like, oh, Brainiac. Oh. No, well, no, I'm, I'm still on the truth. Bon Jovi, bon Jovi. great band. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like stealing the hair, I'm just like, oh, this is going to be Bizarro. Lex is going to make Bizarro. And Lex doesn't make Bizarro. Lex makes... Well. Yeah. Well, there is an interesting twist here because this is where the movie just goes down a bit of a weird path. And if you've watched the Blu-ray extras... Yes. You'll know what we're talking about. So we'll kind of gently spoil things for you. So at this point... Lex's, uh, Lex and Lenny go to the, the museum where there's a Superman exhibit with an awesome-looking Superman statue, might I add. Oh, right. Right. Want that. And uh, I think all of us kids did at that point. But um, there's this cool fucking weight that's being held up um, by super, a strand of Superman's hair. Um, wow, that's pretty interesting. What's more interesting is how Lex is able to cut that hair with scissors. Yeah. Now, just saying, invulnerability, I don't know. I'm just just pointing out just a, a small critique. But well, anyway. it's kind of like, you know, I was, I was watching that. I'm just like, hang on. Number one, that, that, that strand of hair is incredibly long. Um, mm. Like... Extremely long. Was there an 80s mullet period for Superman in the movie universe that we missed? I'm just curious. Uh, Number two, it's holding up like, what, a thousand pounds or something like that? Or like something ridiculous. Mm. Um, So I'm like, okay, number one, Lex, how the fuck are you going to cut that? Uh, Number two, um... (laughs) <laughs> what happens to the thousand or ton like ball when right like, right um, i have questions mr luther yeah yeah there, there are questions but look let's let's be uh you know let's let's be fucking nerds and just go oh well he had kryptonite powered scissors and yeah you know, maybe, and, maybe uh, they were adamantium or something yeah you know so we'll, we'll just roll that but anyway Fast forward a bit, it goes back to his lair that's, I think, on top of the Empire State Building, if if uh, observation serves remotely correctly, <laughs> though, it's, like, it's supposed to be Metropolis. His, his lair, well, it's Metropolis, but, I mean, the fucking Statue of Liberty pops up later on, so... Well, who, oh, who knows, man, I'm confused. But, Lex, um... Lex's yeah. lair is extravagantly 80s, it's like a fucking... It's, He's done a right for himself considering he's been in jail, right? Yeah, he's, he's done remarkably well. I'm like, crime was pays. That, was that Tony Montana's uh, New York fucking penthouse that you were like, so. like, I think so, dude. Like, everything's gold and like, you know, chromed out, fucking extravagant art deco tiling on the floor. It's just like extravagant <laughs> dressing gowns. Yeah, Lex, like, where are you finding this shit? Like, yeah, right. Like, it's, um, it kind of, I, I still prefer his underground uh, New York fucking lair, but anyway. Oh, yeah, the, the underground, the, the cave with the swimming pool. The cave with the swimming pool. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. 
Like, yeah, I mean, but uh, mm. anyway, he he goes into his secret laboratory. Now, there's there's a couple of bonus scenes that don't appear in the final cut of the film, where you get to see a bit more of Lex and Lenny at work. In, well, Lex more so. Lenny just kind of goofballs and says some dumb one-liners for comic relief, um, where Lex is basically assembling the strand of Superman's hair, basically fusing his DNA with what's going to be uh, Nuclear Man, mm. uh, which is going to be triggered by the theory is it's going to be attached to one of these nuclear missiles that Superman's going to throw into space with all the other missiles. And uh, it's going to create Nuclear Man. Um, yeah. The bizarre twist before we get to that awesome UN bit um, is it about here, you think, or... No, no, I, I'll wait for the bizarre twist because let's talk about the UN bit because the UN bit's really powerful. It is, it is. Take like, it away, I Jake. Mean, no, it's just, it's one of those scenes where it's like, look, I, you know, again, we're well aware that this movie has its detractors. Um, and look, to be fair, I do think there are some some valid critiques to be made of this film. Um, None of them to do with Christopher Reeve, the cast or, you know, the director or anything like that. All of them to do with Canon films, like not giving this movie the budget and, you know, trying to make a $30 million film on a, on a $7 million budget. Exactly. That's the thing. They, they didn't give this movie the resources that it really needed to be everything it could and be. And it's apparent in some of the sequences. Oh, God, is it fucking what? We'll, we'll get to that. Mm, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the, the thing is where this movie excels is where it's not in... Look, where, where this movie falls apart is very much some of the effects and the action sequences. Um, and even where, the UN scene. Yeah, where this movie excels is stuff like this, the UN scene, a lot of the mm. character stuff, um, a lot of the stuff that, you know, is clearly still there with Christopher Reeve capturing the heart and soul of Superman. And it's it seems like this UN scene that you just sort of go like, okay, everyone here understands the assignment. Like, everyone here knows what they're doing. Um, and it's just like... It's apparent that with more money and resources available to the people making this movie, I think they would have nailed it. I think they would have really nailed it. Because you look at this scene with Superman walking into the UN with everyone just crowding around him and, you know, just walking up on stage. And you can just see, like, the moment Superman walks in. And it's... it's, it's it's such a great scene mm. in a moment because it's like Superman walks into the United Nations building to the meeting and everyone just stops. He just commands everyone's attention. Yeah. Can everyone I just, fucking Can I just interject real that. quick? Yeah. Oh, Before, so. No, thanks, mate. Before <laughs> you – no, no, I, I want to let you continue with that. But I just wanted to say in this part here where he's walking into the UN, the original version of that that they wanted to do – and this is where this budget issue kicks in. I love the original format that they wanted to do for this. They plead, the producers pleaded to have Superman walk down the main streets of New York and basically have every, just everyone just leering out their windows, 
people and it's just something like that that awesome scene of Rocky Two where Rocky's yeah. running down the streets of Philadelphia and all the kids are just fucking thousands of kids running after him. It's like that. It, they wanted to recreate that magic moment, but in New York City with Superman walking down the middle. Well, Fuck which would it, have been, pinched me. it would have been really powerful because it's like that's that's the thing. And like the symbolism there is not mm. not to be fucking lost. It's like Superman isn't flying in. He's no. walking in like a member of like the a, most like powerful man the in the universe. Race. Like yeah. he is approaching it on foot as one of us and basically yeah. giving the message of like, look, this is my planet too. I give a fuck about it. I don't want to see things like go fucking south and have everyone blow themselves up. And like, you know, he walks into the build, like everyone just like stops and it's just like, oh fuck, it's Superman. You and know, you can see, you can see everyone just looking at him like, yeah, everyone, oh, just, my childhood like, is kicking like, in. Yeah, everyone stops. Um, and it's just like, it's really powerful. And the speech mm. that he mm. delivers is so. so so powerful i want to say like, he wrote that but I, I i don't i look i have heard uh i i, I honestly can't say for sure but i have i know he had a heavy hand in this he film. had a very heavy hand like christopher reeve had a very big influence and a big hand in this movie and it would not surprise me um you know knowing his activism in real life um <sighs> It would not surprise me if he did, in fact, like, you know, at least write some of the dialogue or give the dialogue for this scene a pass of his own. Mm. Agreed. And, um, yeah, man, it's just like there's, there's really nothing more to be said other than, no, like, it's, it's just such a, it's a passionate moment. It's powerful. It is. It's, it's, it's a passionate, powerful moment that, like, again, just showcases Christopher Reeve encapsulating everything great about this character in one yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, and you can't, I really feel like if you watch, even just watch this scene, I really feel like you can't help but be kind of moved by it. Like, and just get it's goosebumps. A, it's a moving just, scene. And it you watch there. it. And again, it's, a, it's another reminder why we look upon and think, Oh my God, Christopher Reeve is truly Superman. Like he is the embodiment of the character. Absolutely. It's just, it's mind blowing how in this one scene in the UN, just the way he addresses the crowd, the way he just speaks from the heart. I mean, that's, that's not bullshit acting. That is from the heart as, as deep as it gets. No, dude, it's like literally, like I, I mean, it, it's it's shit like that, moments like that, where you're just like, um, could I please just get someone to just can we can we do some genealogy on Christopher Reeve? I would yeah. actually like to know, was he in fact sent here from Krypton? Right, like exactly. Did, did Mister and Mrs. Reeve find young Chris in a cornfield somewhere in a rocket ship? Exactly. And, raise him in Kansas because this guy is like fucking Superman. Like, And then, yeah, and, and it's so true. And then after that, we see Superman walk out of the UN, fucking the crowd's cheering, the kids are fucking, yeah, the little, the little boy that's with him is just stoked and he just flies off into the, into the sky 
And uh, we just see all those awesome cutscenes where he's just flying and picking up missiles and taking them into space and yeah. chucking them all in that big ass net. That I'd love to know how he, how he made that. I am very curious myself because I'm pretty sure he didn't buy that off the shelf. Uh, well, he didn't buy it at Costco or something like that. Well, I was like, is, fuck, man, Bunnings, what are you going to fucking knocking it out of the park? <laughs> you can picture Superman, right? Let's go cruising down in the Bunnings, stopping for a snag, you know, chatting <laughs> yeah. with the crowds, you know, giving, giving people a bit of a hello and, yep. uh, you know, hey, yep. I'd sure like one of those sausage sandwiches. Um, <laughs> you know, rocks into Bunnings, like, you know, give us your biggest net. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. You know, <laughs> a couple of them, perhaps, yeah. could just like weld them together. Them together yeah, yeah. Heat yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, off he goes into space, fucking good to go. And uh, yeah, and amongst the missiles that he captures, there's one that Lex Luthor has sabotaged and attached a little box with his little scientific creation that um, is composed of uh, Lex's little bits and his, his DNA and uh, Superman's DNA. I got enough to... how this is replicated in comics later on. Yeah, yeah. I got I to gotta stop for a second here and just let's uh, take a moment to appreciate the sheer volume of snarky shit that Lex hangs on his nephew in this movie. <laughs> right? Because it is up there. I actually think the level of insults Hackman fucking hurls at John Cryer in this movie oh, it's insane, are better than what he threw at poor old Otis back in and the first I half. gotta say, but I still, I still love Lex's just demeaning tones to Otis in in the early films. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's, that's Lenny cops a cops a good healthy dose. Cops are fucking hiding in this movie. And the glorious thing is that, like, I feel like Otis knew he was having to go at him. But yeah, yeah. Lenny just, just goes straight over his fucking head or well, between Lenny's his ears like, or something. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sniffing too much glue. It's, it's like, you know, Lex, Lex could pretty much turn around in this movie and just go, Lenny, you are the dumbest fucking cunt in the history of the world. I feel like, you know you are, like, worse than dog shit. Like, yeah. he's dying a fire. <laughs> and Lenny would just go, oh, whoa, dude, like, really? Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, okay. Oh, God, like, Jesus Christ, kid, lay off the fucking paint chips, would you? <laughs> well, that's the thing, man. I mean, this is the thing, sports fans. Back in the day, kids weren't, Huffing fucking deodorant or spray cans. That were that was sniffing glue. That was that was. The I don't even know that Lenny was sniffing glue. I feel like Lenny was like licking lead paint. I think <laughs> yeah. so too, dude. Lenny it's, just went that little bit extra further. There's something very wrong with Lenny. Yeah, like, the, Lex, the, the, Lex the chromosomes really, don't quite add up. <laughs> yeah, he Lex really did get the brains in that. Family. And the thing is, I have a theory in this because the, the the dark part of this movie that you don't see in the final cut is that the the um after the the the, wep- the missiles have been hurled at the sun and 
in the theatrical cut where we see Nuclear Man come out of it. But in an alternate version that was originally shot, we see um, something completely different, mm. complete with Otis-style music and this character that just, I think Lenny may have switched his DNA with Lex's and chucked that in with Superman's DNA. Because mm. we got a super-powered being that was pretty much bizarro, mm. um, but with a really bad 80s mullet of sorts. <laughs> um, and I didn't know about this till watching the Blu-ray extras, but I got, I think I mentioned it in a previous episode, I just yeah. I saw it in a movie magazine back when they used to do cinema mags and there was this photo in the, in the behind the scenes. And there was this one photo of Lex talking to this dude. And I, I remember seeing after I saw the film, I went, what happened to the dude in the weird dressing gown? Like he, with the weird spiky hair, he's not in it. Mm. Um, and it's this bizarro dude. I can't remember yeah. what the character's name was, but for all intensive purposes, like we had in Superman three with, Brainiac light in this we had Bizarro light and um, yeah obviously if you watch the scenes that are attached to this it's it's very hard to to digest yeah it's like I can I feel like Christopher Reeve just saw the the um, the dailies for this and went no no just no yeah stop stop um because it was just yeah like fuck it was like just accidental superpowers in action like this bizarre character just didn't know his own strength um he's trying to you know um hook up with chicks i think or something like that i don't know just weird shit and it just didn't make any sense and yeah uh, well, some of it comes off as very comical it was, um, and, I, and I don't think that was what Christopher Reeve wanted. It yeah, was a yeah. too comical. Well, I feel like you know there, there was, um, you know, I feel like you know maybe they were taking on board some of the critique of Superman three that was, you know, oh, it's a bit too comical, rah rah rah, mm. and you know maybe. Uh, maybe I'm we're speculating at best. You know, maybe Christopher Reeve was like, no, 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 I want to keep this on, like you know the the point of this movie is to make a point about nuclear weapons i want to keep it on that path and, and if they if if they had the bizarro stuff it would have i really felt it would have diluted the shit out of that positive message that that reef wanted to say yeah um totally yeah yeah and it, it i mean look i was stoked to see the fact that there was a potential bizarro there but it was just very very badly executed well i mean i think i think the thing is too like for all the, for all the critique thrown at nuclear man as a character it's like well you know <laughs> the alternative would have been a lot worse well and it's also one of those things where it's like as you know as much as it's like okay he's obviously bizarro light or you know some skewed version of bizarro he does fit with the theme of the movie like mm. you know nuclear power is a threat nuclear weapons yep. are a threat like yep. you know um so yeah nuclear man is a as a threat so it, it all just kind of ties together 
Yeah, I agree. And it's, um, I mean, look, I'm, yeah, we won't go into the politics too much because, I mean, I personally didn't really want to read into it too much and maybe I will another time. But, um, look, we, we got to see... I'm, I, I don't know about you, but I was, I'm, I'm glad that they went with the, the path of nuclear man. I mean, yeah, of course, fuck, it would have been great to have Firestorm. <laughs> but um, we get we get Mark Pillow. Firestorm his own movie. Let's yeah, <laughs> yeah. We get Mark Pillow, who is given the task of playing the, the supervillain in this film. And, um, you know, on paper... I guess they were looking to recreate some of that magic that they found in number two with General Zod and the, um, the Phantom Zone criminals and, and have a bit of a superpower battle, um, which is great um, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's you don't want to watch, um, super, you know, the most powerful man in the universe have a fucking boring battle of the wits with Lex Luthor. It's um, it's kind of, you know, we want to see superpowers in action. So Well, that's the problem with this movie is that, like, there are moments where, like, the fight on the moon, okay? Yeah, yeah. I think the fight on the moon works great. Mm-hmm. Um, despite certain things in there not obeying physics in any way, shape, or form. Uh... What are you talking about, Jake? <laughs> Come on. It's perfectly normal. Uh, it's like, okay, yep. Apparently sound travels on the moon and there's mm. atmosphere and flags mm. and tapes wave around. And stuff, yeah, but, uh, you, you know, know that. Hey, <laughs> but I, I did like that fight uh, yeah, for what it was. Um, it's just, there are some weird fucking moments in this movie with like Superman apparently developing powers that just appear out of nowhere. Yes. Uh, Nuclear Man being able to like, I mean, the weird anti-gravity power display thing that he does <sighs> on. That him, was weird. That was just like, what the f- Fuck. Let uh, me ask you, what did you think of Nuclear Man um, having Gene Hackman's voice? Yeah, you know what? I I thought it was weird uh, because there are moments like they've, they've obviously done some sort of effect on it. Um, it reminded me of Arnold Schwarzenegger in his first movie role as Hercules. Yeah. Well, there's moments there where... I mean, look, kudos to Hackman, like for dubbing yeah, that over. Of course, of course. He he does a banger of a job. Oh yeah, he's voice. But there are moments where it doesn't even sound like Gene Hackman. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like, it's it's a bit inconsistent and I think it's just like whatever effect they threw over the top of that voice. Um but I mean look, I did think Nuclear Man looks Kind of cool, like oh, dude, it looks the is cool. Uh, the nails are cool. It's just like, uh, what are his powers exactly? Because, and the, <laughs> the the oh, he deactivates in sunlight thing is just like, um, okay, uh, oh, he he deactivates in like it's like he's sorry, he's sunlight powered, but he deactivates in nighttime or shade apparently. So Even though he's solar power, like he's he, he's like a solar battery that can. Well, hold. That's it's like doesn't he store the solar battery? Yeah. It's like you turn a light off and he kind of like falls to the floor. I mean, comic um, book nerds are just having a fucking heart attack at this point. They're like, bit 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 bit. Yeah, 
Well, obviously, is, is he like the solar lights that I buy from, like, you know, Bunnings or whatever? That like, don't, don't do what the, they're advertised to do? Yeah, you, you get the cheap ones and they, they last, yeah. like, maybe two hours after the yeah. sun goes down and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, okay. I thought this was supposed to last for, like, eight to 12 hours, but I guess not. Mm. <laughs> you know, can Lex loot, like, can Lex use Nuclear Man on a rainy day? Well, Zet, like, if it's heavily overcast, he's fucked, <laughs> isn't he? Like, um, so, yeah, there's, there's some, some questions to be had about some of the uh, choices made in this movie well, with uh, the villain. Um, I mean, this is the thing, man. This is where, you know, if you, if you look deep into the rabbit hole of this, of b- behind this movie, you can see at this point the production is in dire straits. The money, the funding is dried up. Um, yeah, they've exhausted funds. They have to take dramatic shortcuts. Well, that was one of the big issues with with Canon as well uh, mm. as a production company was, you know, a lot of the time <clears throat> they would rush things into production. It was just yeah. like, no, no, no. It, it, it was like, you know, this is coming out on this date. Just get it done. We yeah. don't care what you have to do. So... A lot very of the time, yeah, a lot of the time, uh, some of these movies, like, you know, were shooting with the script not being finished. They were shooting, um, you know, a lot of the time with scripts that hadn't been, you know, probably could have done with like uh, two or three or a dozen more drafts to yeah. iron out some of the kinks. But because Canon, you know, their whole kind of motto was to like, get things done quick, get things done cheap, like, you know, spend X amount of money, put it out, make X amount of money back and therefore it's successful and we can use that to fund more things or, you know, eventually buy ridiculously huge offices that we had to sell off, uh, you know, all this sort of shit. Like, you know, if you, you watch that doco, like it really goes into all this sort of stuff, but that was you know, one of the big problems with this. Uh, it was mm. one of the problems that they faced with, um, you know, uh, Masters of the Universe. Uh, Spider-Man, you know, Canon were going to do Spider-Man. They actually did uh, ads for it and stuff like that, saying that, you know, oh, the next big blockbuster from Canon Films, you know, and a dude in a Spider-Man costume. But they couldn't hold on to the rights. They only had them for a certain amount of time and they could not get the money together or the people together they wanted to do it to get it into production. So they, they lost out on it. Um, and I feel like a lot of those issues with rushing things and not putting the money or the care into it are very evident in Superman four. Absolutely, man. I couldn't, couldn't agree more, man. It's, um, I mean, Jesus, it's, it's, it's really sad. Yeah, dude. I mean, that, come on, man, the statue of Liberty scene. Look, it, I mean, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah, I have to say it hurts. Like, it's it's hard. As as if, and here's the thing: it's not that it's like no one's shaking their finger and going, "Oh God, that sucks." Yes, in a way, it does suck, but it sucks because we are looking back at you know, the Battle of Metropolis with the Phantom Zone villains. We're looking at all those great effects and feats of strength and power that we saw Superman display 
in the last act of the original Richard Donner Superman movie. Like, you take that, you take the Battle of Metropolis and all the stuff with the Phantom Zone villains in number two. Um, you know, the, the, the junkyard battle between Clark Kent and Superman in Superman 3. And then you get to Superman and Nuclear Man fighting, and it's just a bit cringe. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know it's it's a bit, ouch. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a tough one, dude. It's it's really hard. And and look, um, yeah, the battle. The, I mean, look, the battle with Superman and the, the first battle with Nuclear Man and Superman is great. Um, despite the obvious production flaws and shortcuts in there, mm. um, you know, Christopher Reeve fucking you know he's the glue that holds this thing together like he's his performance is immaculate as superman he he really you know despite all circumstances and and stresses and arguments yeah. with the the directors and that um he he holds his own and delivers a knockout performance as superman and mark pillow look i mean for his first and only acting role in, in his career, oh, he, he does a good he, job. He does a great job. Like he, he, I think so. He really, I mean, one of the great things you can say about Mark Pillow is that he really brings that uh, over-the-top '80s comic book sort of. He, he is definitive '80s looking bad guy superhero, well, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just the way he moves, the way he yeah. gestures, and uh you know, poses and stuff like that. Like he, he really gets power. it, man. He really gets it. He very much gives you uh, an over-the-top, dramatic comic book villain um, from the eighties, and I think he does a great job at it. And you know, I was just going to say too. I think the reason why the fight on the moon works so well is because it's it's one of those great moments where Canon shines as a production company mm. when they have a controlled environment and a set they can knock out some great stuff i mean that look no one's going to dispute that final fight in cyborg between van damme and that big crazy <laughs> motherfucker in the rain yeah is really cool like yeah. it's really cool like when canon has a controlled environment on one of their sound stages where they can basically like throw shit together and you know whatever i mean you know you look at the the stuff that takes place in castle grayskull in masters yeah. of the universe yeah. looks great mm. fantastic mm. when canon have to go out onto the streets and get extras and you know do location scouting and pay for permits and do all the things that big so movie great. productions can do then they kind of fall down a little bit yeah um you know not their, um, not their biggest strength well and especially like you know uh 87 was when the wheels were sort of starting to come off a bit for them as that, well. yeah it was um, it was a know. pivotal like, pivotal time you know the failure of masters of the universe kind of didn't really help them um so yeah it just you know the the i feel like the intent was there for superman 4 but the execution not so much yeah that's right and and this is the thing at this point canon have you know bitten off more than they can swallow they've they've really just they've 
got a big mess at, potentially at their at their feet. But you can see that they do their best with this film to to just keep it together and deliver a great film. And and look, I don't give a fuck what anyone says, man. Watch it, you know. Watch it with an open mind, and you'll see it's it's actually a, a great film. The yeah. performance, I like the it. message, yeah. I like it. Look, it's got its faults. Um, yeah. It's got its flaws. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's a great, um, it's a great fun movie. I mean, even if Superman is using blue eye beams to rebuild the Great Wall of China, I don't know what <sighs> happened there, but it breaks my brain a little bit. Yeah, it, it's a bit mind-numbing. And, <laughs> and, and especially in the battle scene in New York where, well, Metropolis, sorry, Metropolis, um, where where nuclear man levitates, uses his anti gravity powers and levitates those those civilian the citizens up in the air, and then Superman has, well, what do you know? He's got the same power and just lowers them back down to the ground. Yeah, you know, like, um, just, uh, it's, it's those moments where you're just like, um, you guys, can we stick to the source yeah. material? <laughs> You guys know how Superman works, right? Oh, yeah. You just, you just feel some producer going, I don't know, he's super. You can do well, anything. He's super. Here's the thing. Like, quick side note here. Uh, well, <laughs> semi-side note. Richard Donner had the right idea from the get-go. He had it to a point. When he left, that's when weird things started to happen. And that's where the, the theatrical cut of Superman 2 has moments where that we've talked about that you just kind of go, huh? Then Superman three, more of, huh? And then Superman four, huh? We're just going, this doesn't make sense. Well, but on the plus side, Superman doesn't reverse time in this one. And thank fuck. (laughs) But, but also, you know, the, the positive of this film is what we've said before he bring, Christopher Reeve brings the gang back together. Mm. His influence in this is powerful. Powerful enough that he can get Jackie Gleason back. Um, he can get Margot Kidder back. Um, Hackman. Yeah, Hackman. You know, he brings brings majority of the cast, the main cast back for one last hurrah, even though at the time they didn't think of it as a last hurrah because they were hoping that this film would generate enough love and, and, and buzz that there was, there was talk of a pre-production for a number five. Mm. Um, well, that was, yeah. that was Kenan's big thing. That, that was their big hope for a lot of these franchises like Superman and masters of the universe yeah, was exactly. that they would, they would be their big tentpole franchises. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, both of them, I mean, look, Superman 4 didn't do great at the box office. No, it didn't. Um, it, it, it hung in the top for barely a, a fucking minute. Well, and I mean, same with Masters of the Universe. I mean, fun fact, like, Canon was so confident in the success of Masters of the Universe that they had started building sets for Masters of the Universe 2. Um, and they did, and, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when that bottomed out, um, and you know, didn't perform as well as they wanted to, you know, they had all this shit built, which they basically then repurposed for Cyborg with Van Damme, um, mm. you know, because it was like, oh, well, hey, we've got all this stuff built, we'll just, you know, throw some fucking paint over it, fuck it up a bit, and uh, 
hey, presto, we've got, you know, pre-made sets for a fucking a Van Damme movie. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, I mean, fuck, give it up for recycling, man. You know, waste or <laughs> <on> whatnot. Exactly. <laughs> um, Save yeah, I mean, the planet, kids. I mean, look, you know, I mean, uh, to be fair, I mean, I do remember there being a pretty big push. For that. I mean, the, I do really love the poster for Superman 4. It's a uh, very it's comic book. It's a beautiful poster. It's, yeah, it's it, very, it, very. It sells cool. Superman. Mm. It sells that 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 powerful image of you know pretty much what Christopher Reeve would have wanted to sell, which is Superman flying towards towards the the panel, holding the head of a, a nuclear warhead. Fucking and awesome. I mean, the. Um... I think one of the things that sort of worked against this movie, which I, I feel like we should probably should mention before we wrap up, is that, yeah. like, you know, at the time, to the Superman, like, I mean, this is very much a Superman movie rooted back in, you know, that tradition that the rest of the series follows, which is very much an early 80s, late 70s Superman mm. style. Mm. Um, you know, 1987, like, things had changed for Superman in the comics. Like you had John Byrne's Man of Steel had come out the year before, you know, there was a a big sort of reboot that John Byrne was doing of Superman at the time in the comics where Superman was a little less powerful. Like, you know, the stories were a bit more, um, I'm I'm hesitant to say adult, but they were for a slightly older audience. Um, Mm. You know, Superman was a bit more like, you know, Lex Luthor had been reimagined as like this fucking evil Donald Trump-esque villain, um, you know, which I feel is an insult to Lex. Uh, yeah. But, you know, like, Lex isn't that bad. Um, you know, so, you know, the comics were going in a bit of a different direction. Like, as, as a lot of comics at that time, like post-Watchmen, post-Dark Knight Returns, you know, DC stuff was getting a little bit more, you know adult like it wasn't mm. you know the, the the stories like they weren't like you know oh my god they're so super mature but they were geared for older fans mm, they were um so you know people were reading those comics and then going to see this movie with you know uh superman having all these weird goofy powers and like you know this this sort of you know very political message which you know would have worked even with an older superman story but you know the the balance of like that really powerful message that christopher reeve wanted to put across and you know goofy superhero fights and crazy ass fucking john cryer floating and spinning around uh, didn't really i don't feel like it really gelled that well um, no, it didn't. And and the the, the weird turn of well, the, the, where they tried to clean this mess up is, you know, the battle in New the, the first battle with Superman and Nuclear Man. Nuclear Man has these fucking claws from hell that uh, they're electric, nuclear powered, and he manages to scratch the back of Superman's neck, infecting him with like a nuclear yeah, poisoning. poisoning. Yeah, um, and we see Superman just drained of his powers getting old and withered um and uh he has one last crystal left at his disposal from the fortress of solitude that he uses to read basically the last basic legacy of krypton that he uses on himself to repower and bounce back 
and uh, save the day, beat up Nuclear Man, and take fucking Luthor and Lenny back to prison. And, I uh, did. I did like that moment where they're in the car and the car's just like that was fun. That was dude. cool. Um, quick, quick, um, quick side note. Also, um, we haven't mentioned Mario Hemingway in this film either. Yeah, who was pretty good. I, I liked her in this film. I thought she was a great character. Um, the very, I, I could see the direction was kind of. Kind of Cat Grant, maybe, but was more well. I daddy's really, little girl. I kind of felt like, and that this was another thing from the comics. Like, I kind of felt like her dad was obviously meant to be Morgan Edge. Yeah, and they should have just gone with that. Well, that's the thing. I sort of felt like this was obviously meant to be Morgan Edge because I mean, fuck, man, how many times has Morgan Edge tried to take out the fucking Daily Planet? Right, stopless. Like, yeah, you know, and then you know. Lacey was very Cat Grant based, like that whole, very. that whole like you know sort of um, you know vying for Clark's attention thing was very, very like John Byrne Superman Cat Grant Lois Lane kind of mm. thing. Like that, that was kind of almost straight from the comics. It's just they sort of changed it up, and yeah, for reasons best known to them. So another thing that I found strange in this movie was that like. And, and it's not, look, it's not a gripe because it's like, okay, obviously they couldn't, you know, get Brando back. But uh, having Lara be mm. the voice in the crystal that talks to Clark when he's sick rather than Jorel was a bit out of left field. Um, not saying it doesn't it work, but it's just kind of like, whoa, 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 hang on. He's, he's been talking to his dad for like, you know, three movies, and now all of a sudden, I'm available. Like, mm, mm. like, sorry, Clark, your father's on the can. You'll have to talk to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, it was a bit of a weird, weird sort of thing to wrap your head around. It was, it was a weird moment. But look, I, I, I kind of, I kind of like the, uh, the sympathy of that moment. Uh, not so much with the mum, but you know, just hearing. Um, you know, just the pleas of of those concerned, trying to make sure that Clark was okay. Oh, look, it's a great moment. Like it, it is. really is. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. That's the thing. There, there are a lot of great moments in this movie. Like for for you know, for all our our gentle, loving mockery of some stuff. I think it's a movie that we do both really love. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I mean, dude, th- this is a great film. Like. It's it's sad that behind the scenes it's it's a movie marred with with some very sad politics and I feel like this has been such a common denominator that we've talked about between the the last few episodes of Superman films, Nightmare on Elm Street films. You know, it just seems a a common formula of eighties films. To yeah, it's one these of those politics. things where it feels like. So often with so many of these films and these franchises that we love is that they get to what's meant to be their final entry because, yeah. and I mean, this, this is the thing we've talked about this before with, with mm. a lot of these eighties films, um, 
the, this shit was not planned. It wasn't like today where it's like, oh, we're planning out a six film franchise. And, you know, if we're lucky with the first one, we'll make all six and yeah. we'll have a definitive endpoint and blah, 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 blah. There, there was none of that shit. In, in the 80s and 90s, you know, most of the time, these people were just going like, well, let's make, you know, this one was successful. Let's make another one. That one was successful. Oh, well, let's make another one. Mm. That one was successful. Well, let's go one more. Mm. And none of this stuff was planned out, which is why, you know, uh, there, there are like so many inconsistent, like Highlanders are fucking prime. Yeah, right. but there can be only one. Oh, yeah, except for the other fucking five you're going to make. <laughs> um, you know. So none of this shit was planned. And it, so many of these movies, it feels like when they get to, you know, the last entry, it, it so often feels like a desperate last grasp for glory or cash or something like that. Mm. And they just don't, you know, um, you know, I was talking about my friend Shane was talking uh, commenting on my our post, I saw that. Yeah, uh, yeah. We were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street six, uh, and you know, as he said, it's like it felt like no one gave a shit for this movie, and that's the truth. Is that like so many of these movies just feel like <clears throat> they get to the last one and no one gives a fuck. It's just like, oh, just get it done, get it done cheap, make some money. Hopefully, like you know the 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 love for this is still out there enough that people come and see it and we'll make a bit more money and you know hey let's just do that mm. um and i agree like nightmare six did feel that way and you know superman four like for all the good intentions behind it does feel like at some point canon kind of went oh fuck uh, this is this is more hard work than we thought, man. Fuck it, just I don't know. Get it done, like get it yeah. done, get it out. Yeah, I think like they, they went into it with good intentions, and then mm. realized, oh shit, there's a bit more to this than like a dude in spandex and some wire cables. Yeah, they they really shit their pants with this one. And look, I mean, the movie ends well. That, like you say, there's that great finale scene with Lenny and Lex driving off. Lex is adamant that they're going to get away with, you know, scot-free with no, you know, no sign of Superman in sight. But then, you know, lo and behold, the car lifts off into the air and Lenny goes, oh, no, don't look down. And, <laughs> yeah. And away, and away they go. Lenny, um, Lenny's sent off to the boys, boys town bloody orphanage. <laughs> the, the, the fucking orphanage for Waywood fucking whatevers. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, that's kind of cool. I, I, I just love how, you know, Superman just talks to the priest and goes, have you got room for one more? And, you know, and the priest is like, yeah, we've always got room for one more. And Lenny just happily goes in. There's, you know, no fucking sign of struggle. And often Lenny, doesn't fuck, yeah, sure. where the, Lenny doesn't know where the fuck he is, man. He's well, like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'm just, if you guys got any lead paint there, dude, I just need to, I need to snort, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, um, and Lex, you know, in true awesome fashion that we've seen in previous Superman films, he's uh, flown back to the scene of where he escaped at, uh, at the fucking, uh, the mine where, <laughs> yeah, the, the prisoners are digging holes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they all mock him it's fucking great I thought that was cool it was yeah. fun it was a fun ending to a movie that despite all its flaws 
and and problems that it that it faced it gave us a great beginning gave us, gave us a great inspirational message and ended well man the bad guy went and i loved the the supernatural ending of this where superman turns to lex and says i'll see you in 20 and sure enough we got a superman sequel 20 years later <laughs> yeah yeah um, i didn't even think about that man i gotta say i did not even think about that one. yeah yeah so flies off and we get that great finish with the uh you know superman soaring the skies and saluting the the camera and off he goes and yeah we walk out feeling great about life and fucking knowing that our friend is out there making the world a better place well, that's the thing. I mean, in our was, hearts and imagination. It, like I said, for for all its flaws, I do feel like there were a lot of good intentions in this movie. I it just was. Think it's like, you know, I, I feel like this company has just sort of gone like, "Hey, how hard could it be to make a Superman movie?" Turns out, pretty fucking hard. <laughs> well, that's the thing, man. They 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 tried with this, and like like we've mentioned, they they tried a few other things. They had some success on a small scale with Sylvester Stallone with Cobra and over the top. But again, they were cult films that, that finessed more over time. Um, and, and of course, let's not forget the, the wonderful mess that was Supergirl. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I'd forgotten yeah. That. Yeah. That sorry. Was... Sorry to reopen that old wound. Was... I don't even know whether Supergirl was canon or whether that I was believe... Warner Brothers. No, I think oh, I'm pretty sure Canon had something to do with it initially. Yeah, you could be right. Um, yeah, I've like, only seen that movie like maybe oh, look, two or three you, times. If you've only seen it once or twice, that's all you need, dude. It's it's not good. Like fuck. Um, I I don't have much good to say about it. It's <laughs> other than it, it's great to see Supergirl. And Helen Slater is fantastic as Supergirl. But, yeah, I mean, dude, there were attempts post-Superman 4 where they were, there were plans to do Superman 5. There were plans, like, Canon had plans to do Spider-Man. There was, there was big, bold plans. But the problem, the reality was they just didn't have the capital behind them. Um, the company was in big trouble. And Warner Brothers were about to fucking kick the the field goal that was batman mm. so yeah it was a it was a dark time for canon well that's the thing i mean <clears throat> you know can, canon sort of like you know stuff stuff like <clears throat> which you know wasn't them it was it was mm. new line like stuff like dolph lundgren's punisher would have been more canon speed like yeah if, if canon had grabbed a hold of like uh, the Vigilante from DC, like the yeah. Adrian Chase series, yes. or something like that. It would have, or even Green Arrow, like mm. that would have been more their speed. Um, yeah. Whereas, like something like Superman was just, I really feel like it was a bit beyond them. Even Masters of the Universe, which is a movie that is very near and dear to my heart, is not, you know, all it could be uh, mm. because. Yeah, Canon just didn't really 
know what they were doing. Like when it came to, you know, uh, doing Missing in Action and all the Chuck Norris movies or, you know, American Ninja with Michael Dudikoff and stuff like that, you know, they excelled at that sort of stuff. Mm. Like that was their jam. Like, you know, doing like low budget Van Damme movies and stuff yeah. like that. That was totally Cannon's jam. They were great at it. Well, but... Superman 4 was just, it was a. <laughs> There was a big fucking the thing, man. That was a big they, one. They branched out into stuff like that, especially Superman 4, which is like, you know, it's a sequel to movies that, you know, were huge, big budget Warner Brothers movies. It's like, yeah. you know, if, if it's, it's like Canon going, yeah, fuck, we'll do Jaws 4. <laughs> it's just like, oh, <laughs> no, please don't. Come yeah. On, guys. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've already I mean, broken me. There's no need to get cruel and unusual. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the, the sad, the sad ending of this is that you know, Superman Four thankfully ends well, and it, it it is a good movie. But you know, thankfully we have four great Christopher Reeve films that it, it it's it's created a wonderful legacy that will last. Fucking. Yeah, for decades to come, man. Like, I don't see this being dated. It'll, the source will be dated, of course, mm. um, the, the obvious time periods and stuff like that. But, dude, this is a, these, these are a series of films that, especially one and two, that just hold a high place um, in our hearts and, and imaginations. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, there, there, there are stuff in these movies that will, you know, date i guess but i don't feel like the themes really will um the main thing um and i mean you know i I feel like that's kind of another weird thing about this movie is that like you know it's it still feels like it's kind of stuck in the early 80s to late 70s whereas like then you've got stuff like lacey warfield's character who's very 80s and john cryer who's very 80s and they kind of clash a bit with the tone of it so it's like yeah. yeah And even Nuclear Man fucking trying to get it on with, with Lacey, it's, I don't know, I mean, there's, there's some weird shit in this, but hey, look, at the end of the day, Christopher Reeve gives a knockout performance, uh, it gives us a feel-good message about hope and, and being well, better people. Yeah, man, and it's it's not, look, I feel like as, like, look, as much as I, I there are I honestly, I wish to God Christopher Reeve had never had his accident. Uh, and I wish he was still with us today because I think it would be fantastic to see him reprise his role as Superman in something like a Kingdom Come type movie. Like, yeah, I think absolutely. Be, like, you well, know, the way, they, the way they've got Keaton doing Batman again in The Flash. Look, so, you know, I, I, think, so cool. uh, I think Brandon Ralph might have something to say with that. Oh, I'm sure he would, but it's like, you know, look, Brandon, you know, I liked you as as Kingdom Come Superman, but, you know, sit down, you know, the big dog's here. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) But, look, I feel like this movie is a nice, uh, it certainly doesn't recapture the glory of Superman 1 or 2, but if this is the send-off for, if this is Christopher Reeves' swan song as this character, you know, we got him back. We got Margot back. We got Lex back. We got Hackman back as Lex. You know, Jackie Gleese as Perry White. Like, we got everyone back to, you know, 
sort of give a bit of a farewell to the characters that they created, that yeah. they brought to the screen, yeah. and that we all fell in love with. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you the warm and fuzzies. And, uh, I mean, fuck. Yeah, you can be the armchair quarterback, but, look, a good movie is a good movie. Enjoy it. Love it for what it's worth. And be grateful. And if not, go listen to a Morrissey record. They don't all have to be massive blockbusters, man. No. Sometimes a, a movie's just allowed to be a bit of fun fluff. Mm. Like, you know, and that's what this is. It's a bit of fun fluff. It's got, it's got a lot of heart to it. You know, it's I, got a good I, message. I it, have to ask, is it a six-pack worthy movie? I do. I think so. Look, I, I would find it very hard to genuinely say a bad word in terms of like, oh, this sucks, like about a Christopher Reeve Superman mm. movie. Like, honestly, it would be very difficult to come up with something that I genuinely dislike about any of these movies. There's stuff where it's like, oh, that was a bit fucking weird or that's a bit like, yeah. but there is nothing in these movies where I go, oh, fuck it, that's it, I'm out. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah it, it's it's not like a can of Foster's Lager or something like that. It's no, like, it's it's not it's not VB. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 got a little bit of flavour to it, and it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's the good beer that you enjoy drinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like backyard shit. Yeah, man. it's it's not it's not you know Domino's and VB. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah look, fuck, that'd look, be a lethal mix. Oh fuck me, fuck me, what it was, but um, look. I, I'm so glad that we did this series. Um, this is like the Nightmare on Elm Street series, the two series that are really highly impacted on our collective childhoods. Oh, totally, man. And it sings in the hearts and souls of so many of us worldwide. And Christopher Reeve achieved something, you know, regardless of the last two films, he achieved something with this character. Oh, he was magical as this it, character. It can never be replicated. I don't care what anyone says. James Gunn, I'm sure, is going to do a phenomenal job with Superman Legacy. Um, and, and of course, you know, Man of Steel, um, you know, we, we had Henry Cavill give us well, a great Superman we've, suit. We've had some... Look, we've had some good contenders. I mean, yeah. I, I actually quite liked the... Uh, Superboy series that yeah. uh, the Salkins had uh, a hand in that followed these movies. Yeah. Um, I think they did like two or three. They did, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I know they swapped actors like at some they point. They did, yeah. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed those. I thought those were really fun. Um, you know, Lois and Clark, I wasn't huge on. Um, but, you know, it had its moments. and uh, it, it had Terry Hatcher. Yeah, it sure did. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> Mark Hamill is is uh, Toy Man. Oh fuck, that's right, it did too. And look, I thought uh, what's his name, John Shay, was a, a good Lex. Um, yeah, dude, yeah. Good, uh, I'm just not a fan of Dan Kane. I think he's a cock. <laughs> uh, I think he started well, and then he just became a bit of a dick halfway through it. So yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know, following that, what did we have? Uh, Smallville. You know. Yeah, there's a great podcast on Smallville currently with uh, called Talkville. Yeah, Michael Rosenbaum and um, Tom Welling, who um, are basically doing episode by episode. 
of the whole series. I I really like Smallville. I thought Smallville. I really feel like Smallville is responsible for the um, you know basically being the the forerunner of having you know expanded universes with comic adaptions in mm. tv and, and film mm. because it's like smallville kind of did it first and well it yeah it did. Groundwork. it did um, it, 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 it inspired and it inspired the catalyst um movement of what we would see you know more of mm, absolutely uh, you know as disastrous as some of those early attempts were but i mean that's the thing you know we can cringe at these that these abominations that that were abomination attempts like the uh, the Justice League movie <laughs> before oh, the Justice League movie, <laughs> yeah, the one with the yeah. padded suits. If, if you've seen that, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know, right? Yeah, but that's the oh, thing, man. God. We we needed those films to to oh, inspire sure. that change. I mean, look, I mean, Smallville is always going to be near and dear to me simply for the fact of, like, this is a show that gave us the very first live-action booster gold. Exactly. Thank you, Smallville. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, you know, look, then you've got, obviously, you've got Brandon Routh and fucking, you know, Returns, which, yeah. you know, I think was... It yeah. had moments that I just, really loved. Yeah, just that five minutes with the uh, the plane crashing. Uh, the plane. Thing, look, man, honestly, it. Superman That's the only scene you need to watch. Superman returns from that moment where he's sitting in the bar with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, to when and OG back. Jimmy Olsen is, mm-hmm. as the bartender. Yeah, that moment where he's in the bar and the music starts to kick in. He runs out, rips the shirt up. From there to where he saves the plane and, you know, comes yep. in, does the, you know, oh, well, I hope this doesn't put you off flying thing and scoots off is perfection. Yep. Absolute perfection. Nailed it. Uh, you know, the rest of the movie around that, we can, you know, that that's open for discussion, but yep. that sequence there is perfect. Um, yep. Then, of course, you know, you got Cavill. I like Cavill as Superman. Cavill's great. I yep. think, you know... I think he was a great Superman that just got saddled with, you know, he didn't get a chance to really have his Superman moment, I guess. Uh, it would have been great like, to see a, a Cavill sequel, a proper Cavill sequel. It would have. It really would have. Um, and then you've got uh, Superman and Lois, which I really like, actually. It's great. It's a fun show, dude. It's a good show. Um, and I'm surprised that... Uh, um, I just keep thinking of him as Derek from Teen Wolf. <laughs> I'm surprised he's as good a Superman as he is. I honestly like having seen him in Teen Wolf, which I, I kind of enjoyed. Mm. Uh, I always thought he'd make a way better Batman. But and I'm so, looking forward Tyler, to Tyler Holchin. Yeah, oh, dude, I forgot your name. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, is it Michael Cudless? I think his name that plays Abraham in Walking Dead. Who is playing Lex Luthor in season yeah, three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's Lex in season three, so that'll be interesting. He's promising, promising us a Lex Luthor that we have not seen on screen yet. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, I uh, haven't seen it yet, but I'm really keen to check out season four of Titans with uh, Titus Oliver as yep. Lex Luthor because 
Titus Welliver is an actor who I feel can do no wrong. Like he's fantastic. And so did I'm... you? Sorry, did you like um, Connor in Titans as well? The, the okay. Super okay. I'm going on record here, and I will fucking cut anyone who tries to fight me on this. <laughs> I love Titans. I think it's great. Like, I really love it. I love the kid playing Connor Kent. I think he's great. I love the fact that he's got crypto there with him. I think that's fucking awesome. Uh, uh, Brandon, Brenton Thwaites, whatever his name is, yeah. Nightwing, he is yeah. great. Um, yeah. Alan Richardson as Hawk was fucking awesome. Um, Who's hotly tipped to play Shazam. Oh, dude, I am so looking forward to diving into the Jack Reacher series with him in it. Like, yeah, I've seen same. A couple of it looked gold. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I love Titans. I think Titans is fucking amazing and so, so criminally yeah. underrated. So, and, and that's the thing, man. That's the ripple effect of movies like the Superman series. Yeah. With, you know, regardless of what your armchair quarterback fucking critique is of these films, of Superman 3 and 4 and everything else, it's like all these films serve a purpose in the timeline of some of these awesome things that we get later on in life, that it all it all comes to fruition in some shape or form. Like Absolutely. any creative adventure. That's kind of my final thoughts about this. Absolutely, man. And, I mean, look, I mean, that's the thing. If it wasn't for the original Superman movie, like, you would not have comic book movies existing and looking the way they do now. Like it would be a very different landscape out there. Absolutely. Um, You know, it's just like really proved that like, yeah, these were a viable. And the power. Yeah. And the power of these films as a kid is, man, I'd be hard pressed to find any kid that didn't say they at least once or twice pretended to rip open their shirt like Christopher Reeve. Or wear Dude. a cape. <laughs> I know we're adults. I know adults that do that shit. Okay, <laughs> like, and you know what? Still, good and, on them. Yeah, good on yeah, them. Like... More power to them, dude. Because that is that is the power of movie magic. Magic that is the legacy of Christopher Reeve, and we should, as humans, embrace that and fucking nurture that and fucking celebrate that every opportunity we can, man. Because that's, it's so important that we never forget these fucking, these heroes, these legends like Christopher Reeve. Oh, man. Absolutely. I'm forever grateful to him. I, yeah. I just want to say, I just want to say thank you to, I know he's not listening, obviously, but Christopher Reeve, thank you. Richard Donner, thank you. Margot Kidder, thank you. Terrence Stamp, thank you. Gene Hackman, the list goes on. Thank you for giving us an unforgettable series. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's that's the thing. I mean, these these movies are iconic for a reason. Christopher Reeve is an iconic Superman for a reason. And yeah, you just can't take that away. And I really feel like if you have not seen these movies, uh, they are very much worth grabbing and just having yourself a weekend where you just dive into them. 100%, man. And don't forget, there's great box sets available. There's the great um, 4K box set that's just come out. So, yeah, look, fucking do yourselves a favour, check it out. Watch the documentaries, the behind-the-scenes stuff. That's just as magical as the movie themselves. 
especially yep. the Richard Donner material. Um, there's some great stuff there. And there's amazing podcasts that go deeper than what we do on this um, with all the facts and figures and interviews with cast and crew, um, like Caped Wonders, like fucking Talkville, all those things. Um, yeah, fuck, what a time to be alive. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, we've reached the end of a I think that's, fucking that's epic the, episode. The uh, Metropolis City Limits, I think. We have we have literally flown right over Metropolis City Limits. And uh, yeah, but hey, fuck, if you're going to end, end in style, end with a bang. Exactly. And, uh, leave, leave no stern, uh, le- leave no stone left unturned. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> leave no stone, leave no stern left unturned. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been sniffing Lenny's <laughs> lead head, man. <laughs> Are we flipping over Howard Stearns now? I think so, dude. <laughs> okay, you take Howard, I'll take Daniel. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But, uh, look, thanks thanks so much for tuning in and following this series, whether you've tuned in live currently or fucking six months from now, whatever. Thanks for listening. There's so many fucking cool episodes of this show that we love doing and many more to come. Um, God knows what we're going to do next, but no doubt it's going to be rad. We will think of something. It'll be a surprise. Could be. I think so. We'll do do a couple of one-offs and then we'll dive into another series. I like that. And and we're probably due for another versus one soon too. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, we totally are. Yeah, man. See? Fucking, we got the best problem to have, man. It's <laughs> great. First world problems. First world uh, problems. Well, right, well, 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 till next ha- week. Yeah, have a great, or have a rad weekend, everyone. And uh, yeah. We shall see you next week. Like, subscribe, do all the good stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week for Freaky Friday, where we bring our Freddie and Jason series to a fucking... Oh, just a climatic end. Yeah, a big, bloody, messy, scary end. Yep, it's going to be great. So, and we, we get to talk about one of my favourite kills in both series. <laughs> it's going to be great. So tune in for that. Like Jake said, do the, do the thing, and uh, we'll see you next week. We'll Have a great one. Later.